Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our Top 10 Prospects podcast series today with the Milwaukee Brewers. And to do that, we are joined by Ben Badler. Ben did the Brewers Prospect Handbook chapter for us this year, one of the longest tenured writers here for us at BA. Ben, Milwaukee made the postseason for the third straight time in 2020. It's the first time in franchise history the Brewers made the playoffs in three consecutive years. However, the caveat to that is they snuck into the playoffs as the eight seed in the expanded postseason with a sub 500 record. They went 29 and 31. Some promising performances on the pitching side, namely Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff out of the rotation, plus rookie of the year Devin Williams and all star closer Josh Hader in the bullpen. But the offense really, really went backwards. We saw Christian Yelich have a difficult year. Keston Hira took a step backwards. Milwaukee finished 24th out of the 30 teams in Team OPS and really just did not have a whole lot going for them offensively. When you look at where this team is now and what they have in the farm system, where are they and how likely are they to continue this run of consecutive playoff appearances? Yeah, like like you said, they just kind of snuck their way in as a sub-500 postseason team this year. I think they'll I think they'll probably be about the same uh, next year. I mean, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect uh, better performances next year from uh, Yelich and, and Keston Hira. Uh, but like you said, the the offensive really uh, their offensive showing last year really really hurt them. And one of the problems right now is there's not a lot of help that you can expect to have from the farm system both both on the position player side and and the pitching side too certainly at least there's starting pitching I mean in in the bullpen you have a couple guys who are still prospect eligible uh and like you know Justin Topa Drew Rasmussen I think can help in in the bullpen but really the you know the most interesting players in the farm system right now are these guys who are are not going to be contributors in, in 2021. It's, it's guys who are uh, at the lower levels and, and especially so for the, uh, for the position players. So I, I think we're pr- probably going to be looking at similar strengths and weaknesses for uh, the Brewers in 2021 uh, without, uh, w- without being able to count on too much help, uh, especially on the offensive side from, from the farm system. Yeah, it does seem like it's going to have to be internal reinforcements from guys who are already with the big league club. They will get Lorenzo Kane back next year. He opted out of the season. Again, Christian Yelich isn't going to hit 205 again. You expect him to bounce back. But it does feel like a lot is hinging on Keston Hira, Orlando Arcia, Luis Urias, the young position players they have right now really stepping up. Because as you mentioned, the top two prospects in this system, Bryce Trang and Garrett Mitchell, they're a couple years away. Yeah, I, th- I think you're counting on that uh, that player development at the major league level happening from some of those guys who you know who look are are still in their early to to mid twenties. Uh, I think it's it's a reasonable to maybe not necessarily count on them taking that step forward, but thinking that yeah, there's you know there's a good chance that uh, you know they they could take a, a step forward next year. But yeah, it's you know. Uh, I, I like Bryce Terang, uh, you know, Garrett Mitchell, I, you know, I, I like that pick, especially at the the back of the, the first round where, where they got him. But 
these are not guys who, who you're going to count on to, to help the major league club at all next year or this year, I guess I should say. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what the Brewers do. Again, they do have some very, very attractive potential trade pieces, Josh Hader King among them. And there are some very talented players to work with, it feels like, at the top of their roster. Again, we mentioned Yelich. Keston Hira had a down year, but this is a very promising young hitter still. And on the pitching side, you start with Woodruff and Burns. You have Devin Williams. You have Hader, as we mentioned. Even guys like Freddie Peralta, he really stepped up last year in a relief role. So they do have some pieces to work with. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how they're able to fill in the holes on this roster because some of these prospects are a couple years away. And moving into those prospects, Bryce Tereng and Garrett Mitchell checked in at numbers one and two. How close of a debate was it, and was there anyone else in consideration for number one? Yeah, I think those were the consensus top two players uh, in the system. Um, you know, you know, a couple guys down the list. I, I think you could, uh, you know, make cases for them being number one in the system in in the future, but probably not right now. Uh, you know, Terang and and Mitchell. Uh, you know, obviously, like this year, there's just a lot of uncertainty, and it's hard to speak with a ton of uh, conviction on 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 these guys, uh, given the constraints of of what happened in 2020, uh, you know, some of it may come, I, I think it's, it, you can reasonably argue either one. It, it may come down to uh, your preference in terms of the, you know, you know Terang is a good athlete too. He, he's not the athlete. I don't think that uh, Mitchell is, he doesn't have that kind of really super loud explosive tool set. And look, I mean, Mitchell did, he did perform well in college, but but I certainly think Terang is a a better pure hitter, better strike zone discipline, um, and and to me, uh, I, I'd certainly lean toward the guy who is the the better pure hitter who, who controls the strike zone more, better back control, uh, and and has some you know he uh, and has some track record of, of success at the pro level. Now you know the, the big knock I think on Terang coming into the season was. Uh, just the, the total lack of power uh, that he had shown previously. Um, you know, so it's, it's a really good swing. It's, it's very calm, very balanced throughout uh, the swing. It's it's a pretty compact, tight turn on on getting the barrel out front and, and makes a lot of contact and, and controls the strike zone, but uh, just wasn't delivering much impact. And uh, I, I think that was, you know, one of the things in, in his favor this year was that uh, – you know, he, he's not out there. Um, you know, I, I don't expect him to be like a 25 plus home run type guy, but it was, it was pretty consistent that he was hitting the ball uh, harder this year uh, with more impact, higher exit velocity numbers um, that, that he was showing at the alternate training site um, throughout the, the summer. Uh, I think that was, that, that was good and, and encouraging to see from him. It wasn't like he, um, you know, what was some big swing change guy was just saying, all right, you know, he's always been a guy who's just focused on, you know, spreading the ball around the field and and just putting the bat to the ball and putting the ball in play. Now I think he was, well, he was out there looking to, you know, take advantage of of certain uh, pitches and in his hot zones and in advantageous counts where he can turn on them and, and try to do some more damage. And, and, you know, he's a high school draft pick. He's, he's getting stronger too. So I think that, that plays a role into it too. So I, I think that, uh, you know, 
whether it's shortstop, second base, kind of still to be determined and, and probably still some um, some of that is just circumstantial based on, you know, what the composition of the, the major league roster is by the time he's uh, ready in a, a couple of years or maybe a few more years. But, um, but you know, you have a, an athletic guy who can play in, in the middle of the diamonds uh, who, who's a pretty advanced hitter who, who controls the strike zone and, and now looks like he's going to have to have the ability to hit for uh, at least enough power to to do um, you know enough damage uh, along with the you know the plus speed that he has too. Uh, that to me gave him uh, the edge over over Mitchell, who obviously has you know really really loud tools, but some more uh, some more risk I think as far as the the pure hitting ability. Yeah, Mitchell's an interesting case. This was true of Trang as well. Both Trang and Mitchell were considered potential top 10 overall picks in their respective drafts. Both fell and the Brewers were able to get both of them a little bit later than expected. They got Mitchell at 20th overall and Trang at 21st overall. Regarding Mitchell, the two main questions that have come up really since high school, the first was, for those who don't know, Garrett Mitchell has type 1 diabetes. And so there was always some concerns about how that is going to affect his durability and his endurance. But I do think we have to note, he only missed one game in three years at UCLA. Obviously, the third season of that was shortened due to the coronavirus pandemic. But this guy pretty much took the field almost every day he was supposed to. I think a lot of people were focused on the diabetes when in reality, the bigger concern was how much impact contact he's consistently going to make. One of the things with Garrett Mitchell that has been true since his high school days is this is a tremendous athlete. He will show you tremendous raw power in batting practice. When you get into games, it's a lot of rolled over ground balls to the second baseman. It's a lot of soft contact. And there are times where he drives the ball down the line or into the gaps and you say, there it is. But helping him get that consistently is something that I know a lot of pro evaluators have had questions about, particularly given he doesn't have a ton of track record with a wood bat. Now he did start to tap into that extra base power more as a sophomore. He was off to a good star as a junior. So it's not that he can't do it, but I know a lot of national level evaluators, the question was just how much is he going to do it? They didn't feel a ton of conviction one way or the other. And that was a big reason why he slid to 20th overall. Based on your discussions with the Brewers, what is the level of conviction that Garrett Mitchell is going to hit? Because above all, that's going to be the main driver of his upside. As much as he has all these other supplemental tools that are incredible, you got to hit to play. And that's the biggest question with him. Yeah, I think all the risk factors you brought up with him are, are, are valid as far as the, the swing and, um, and, and all that. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it, we didn't get a lot of new information on him after signing because the Brewers didn't bring any of their 2020 draft picks to be a, their, their alternate training site. Uh, they had some of them playing in like uh, some various independent leagues. And then he had like a, some, like a little leg injury that kind of limited his playing time at, at instructional league. So, didn't really have a chance to see a lot of the adjustments that it sounds like he's been trying to make. I mean, like you said, he's, he's, he's an outstanding athlete. He's a top of the scale runner, but it's, you know, if if you watch him in batting practice, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, this is not some like, you know, little, you know, guy who's just slapping the ball. I mean, his approach is kind of slappy, I guess, but he has, he has big, raw power he he can hit the ball hard but you know I think a lot of times especially in, in 
college baseball, you, you have guys who are, you know, 70 or, or 80 runners and, uh, you know, they're taught to, yeah, just hit the ball on the ground and take advantage of your speed, uh, a ground ball <laughs> in, in the major leagues uh, is as a different run value than a, a ground ball. And, um, you know, in college baseball, <laughs> you're, you're more likely to be able to, you know, take advantage of those wheels uh, and, and turn it into a hit uh, or reach base on, on an air. If you're just hitting a ground ball um, in, in college baseball, obviously compared to, um, you know, doing that in, in the major leagues where it doesn't quite work out so well for you. Um, so I think it's, it's a matter of him, you know, making that adjustment to, you know, not just try to, you know, take that approach to, you know, put the ball in play or just put the ball on the ground and, um, you know, hit those, you know, you know, ground balls or, or low line drives and, and try to get the ball airborne a little bit more. Um, you know, I, it sounds like he's been trying to make some adjustments uh, with his, you know, to kind of get his legs more involved in his swing and then try to tap into that power more in games. I and mean, we've seen some other, you know, like Jaron Duran, uh, another, you know, real speedy guy, uh, you know, coming out of college who who made some, or it sounds like has made some swing adjustments to, uh, you know, to try to tap into a little bit more power and do some more damage in, in games. And, and the hope is Mitchell can, like you said, he's, he's an excellent athlete. He certainly has plenty of athleticism to feel encouraged about his ability to, to make adjustments, but it's, it's not, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to make uh, that change and, and that adjustment, uh, you know, at, at the same time for all, all these concerns that, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it, it's not like he, you know, it's not like he was at UCLA hitting a, a buck 90. I mean, he, he performed <laughs> pretty well when he was there. Uh, it's just a question of, all right, well, how, how is that approach uh, going to translate against more, more advanced pitchers and, and, and more advanced uh, defenders too? And, and if, if he's going to be able to, uh, to make those adjustments that he's, he's probably going to have to make going forward against, uh, against those players. Yeah, I think Garrett Mitchell, assuming we have a somewhat normal minor league season in 2021, is going to be one of the most interesting players to watch just to see what the swing looks like, what the offensive performance looks like, because if he can make those adjustments, given his natural strength, given his natural speed, and as you mentioned, again, he was very, very good at UCLA, both as a sophomore and during the abbreviated junior year, I think he'll be okay. And so I'm going to be very curious to see what the swing looks like come 2021, Ben, you mentioned these were the clear top two. From the outside looking in, it seems like number three is where the system really opens up. I know we had a lot of discussions amongst ourselves, the staff here at BA. I know you dove in on this with evaluators, both inside and outside the system, pretty heavily. Ultimately, Hedbert Perez, one of their international signings, was pushed up into the number three spot. Now, Perez is 17 years old. He has yet to play a professional game. And there were some promising showings from some guys behind him on this list. Namely, Antoine Kelly had a really, really good year at the alternate training site. Aaron Ashby got a lot of love as a breakout type of pitcher during instructional league. Mario Feliciano was the MVP of the high class A Carolina league as a 20 year old. So there are some players who have accomplished a little more. Ultimately, what was it that pushed Hedbert up to number three above those guys? Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the Ashby and, and then Ethan small too. They had a pretty interesting group of, uh, 
lefties at, at camp in the uh, at the alternate training site and, and brought some of those guys over to um, instructionally too. And, and Mario Feliciano, you know, certainly in terms of, you know, performance, um, you know, has, has accomplished more, but, uh, you know, I, I looked at it as, all right, well, who, <laughs> which, which of these guys would, would have the best chance I, I think to enter our, our top 100 at, at some point um, in, in the future and, and possibly in, in 2021. And I, I thought that the two guys with the best chance to do that were uh, Hedbert Perez and, and Antoine Kelly um, you know, Hedbert Perez, uh, I think if, you know, he was in, in the draft, we, we'd be, you know, he, it, it, it's tough to, you know, compare, you know, it's just necessarily to like, a you know, Robert Hassels or <laughs> somebody like that. Cause he's, he's still a year younger than those guys. Like he, <laughs> we'd, we'd really be talking about him more as a 2021 <laughs> draft pick, but, um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's too far off um from from there i mean this is a a player who's you know has a really exciting mix of of athleticism uh, a premium position in in center field uh, at least for right now um along with you know really good tools and and baseball skills for somebody who uh doesn't turn 18 until uh, i think it was april i mean they brought him up to the their alternate training site. He was the youngest player at any of the uh, alternate sites this year. Uh, it wasn't like he, you know, dominated there. Uh, he just sort of held his own for, for somebody his age. But when he, you know, went to instructionally, it was like, all right, well, all right, this, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the, the competition was a bit more age appropriate. You could, uh, you know, you could obviously see the, the tools that he had at the alternate site, but uh, the performance was, was certainly better at instructional league and, and, you know, it's it's it sounds weird to say for somebody who has you know zero official pro games yet right because he was a 2019 signing from Venezuela they they don't play their their first year in games and then obviously 2020 wiped out from the pandemic but after he you know after he signed last year he played in in tricky league he played in Dominican instructional league uh so we have one year there and then we have the second year of uh, you know, games to go off of with him from, from the alternate side and, and instructional league, which look, obviously is, is not the same thing as, you know, going out to uh, the Arizona league, but, uh, but we have a pretty good, you know, record of him, you know, hitting well in games. And, and then obviously the tools, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you're a subscriber, you can go to the report and, and read our reports on, on his tools uh, that, that those all definitely, uh, stick out too. So I think he's somebody who, you know, I, I he's only going to be 18 next year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see him on that, uh, you know, Ronnie Mauricio, uh, you know, Julio Rodriguez, Wander Franco, not saying he's the same type of guy as, as those players, but that, that path where those guys were all in, you know, the Midwest league or the South Atlantic league, or I, I guess I, I should just say low A from now on because <laughs> uh, they're obviously changing the, uh, the leagues up. But somebody like that who could be in low A next year um, as, in, as an 18-year-old. So um, I think he's somebody who has, uh, uh, you know, I think he has the upside to potentially be the number one player in this system at, at some point. I, I think it's a, a really good mix of uh, athleticism, premium position, tools, and skills. But 
obviously the risk is he's, uh, you know, doesn't turn 18 and, until April. And, uh, you know, we, we haven't seen uh, official games from, from him yet. High risk, high reward. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do in his first full season. I know having him ranked this high certainly opens some people's eyes and certainly your high praise for him makes him someone to watch moving forward. Ben, I want to jump into the second half of this system here, but first a quick word from our sponsors. All right, Ben. So we've hit on the top three players in this system. After them is a group of interesting prospects. Again, we talked about Ashby. We talked about Kelly. You mentioned Ethan Small. We hit on Feliciano. Is that the group that makes up the next tier? You know, Freddie Zamora is in there as well. Where's kind of the demarcation points within this top 10? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things about this system being, a, you know, a 21 to 30 type farm system. And in terms of our overall um, look at, at every club's uh, minor league system right now, um, I think you go a lot of different ways with it pretty reasonably. I mean, I certainly think that, you know, Feliciano, we, we talked about earlier and, and Ashby, those, those guys belong in there. I think there is probably some limitations on, on the upside on, on both guys, but um, I think they certainly belong in, in the top 10. I mean, you know, you have a guy like Freddie Zamora, who's, you know, really a, a wild card, uh, you know, as far as, you know, obviously everybody lost the 2020 season, but uh, with Zamora, he, you know, had an, you know, he had an injury with his knee. He didn't even play it at Miami at all this year. And by the time he was done with his rehab, uh, they were just wrapping up instructional league. So didn't really get, you know, a chance to, you know, see what he looked like at all this year. Uh, but obviously when he was, when he was on the field, one of the, one of the best shortstops in, in college baseball, uh, but obviously a lot of uncertainty with him, even even among the uh, the uncertainty of, of everything for 2020. Uh, you know, then you have guys like, you know, Jefferson Quiro, Eduardo Garcia, Carlos Rodriguez, guys who are, you know, real interesting guys at, at the lower levels. I think Quiro really helped his status this year with, with what he did at uh, Instructional League and, and building off some really strong reports uh, from last year, you know, like Xavier Warren, I, I think was a, you know, I really liked that draft pick for, uh, for the Brewers in, in the third round. Uh, I, I like his ability to, to get on base, but obviously, uh, you know, a catching conversion uh, process happening with him. So there's certainly some risk there. Um, you know, you have guys like Justin Topa and Drew Rasmussen who have a lot less risk, but, you know, certainly more, um, you know, limitations probably, um, you know, bullpen guys with, with, with both those players and then probably a, a shorter shelf life. So, um, I mean, those, those were kind of some of the, the players we're, we were looking at in, uh, in that range. I want to hit on this lefty trio real quick of Kelly Small and Ashby. What kind of pitchers do they project to be for the Brewers? Yeah, I think the yeah the Brewers had really good lefties at their alternate training site this year, which uh, you know, and then you throw in like uh, uh, Angel Perdomo, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it made for a really interesting uh, probably development experience for especially for guys like Bryce Terang or uh, Hedbert Perez and, and some of the other left-handed hitters that they had at the alternate site. But um, I think the the guy who definitely stood out the most from that group this summer was was Antoine Kelly. I think he really uh, boosted his stock. I mean, 6'6", junior college draft pick from uh, their, their 2019 class, who, who was always 
had to, you know, who's had a big arm ever since they uh, drafted him, you know, up to the, you know, the upper nineties from, from the left side with, you know, some extension from his, you know, six, six frame. And, you know, the last year was a lot of just, all right, I've got a really good fastball and I'm going to just blow it by hitters, but he, he really uh, transformed that, that slider uh, this year. I I think that really ticked up for him. Uh, There's some flashes of, of feel for, a changeup that he hasn't really needed to uh, to use much, uh, and then you know the, you know he's six foot six, so I, I, you know it's a lot of moving parts in his delivery. He's got to you know improve his command, but j- just as far as pure stuff, uh, I think he has the best pure stuff of of that group. And you know somebody who's you know still young uh, has a chance to to miss a lot of bats. Um, I, I think he's you know I I'm certainly would not put him in a top one hundred right now, but I think if we're you know, looking at, at those guys between Kelly, Small, Hashby, who has a chance to jump into uh, a top 100 at, at some point in 2021. I think Kelly is probably the the best bet to do that. I mean, Small is, you know, a- everything about him from, uh, you know, his draft is, is you know, pretty much the same uh, as it is right now. Maybe slight tick up uh, in, in velocity, but also in, you know, shorter stints. But, uh, it's it's really more of a, a touch and feel command, uh, you know, change speeds, keep hitters off balance with his pitchability uh, from the left side type guy who should move uh, fairly quickly for them. And then, yeah, Ashby was, you know, slow start at the uh, the alternate site, um, was a lot better at, at instructional league, which, you know, is, is encouraging to hear. But, at, you know, at the same time, this is a guy who has experience up through IA is, you know, 22 years old. So he's, you know, older than most of the guys at, at instructional league. So it's certainly encouraging to see, but with some caveats, but, but the stuff coming out of his hand was uh, pretty impressive at, at instructional league. But, um, you know, I, I don't think he has quite the stuff that uh, Kelly has or, or the polish that uh, small has, but um, certainly, you know, belongs in, in that top 10 for them. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how these three lefties move through the system again. Mentioned they all got some time at the alternate training site and seeing where they start next year and what roles they're able to play potentially for the Brewers, although that would be an aggressive timeline for all of them. Ben, we've got this group of lefties who are somewhat polished, although again, they've all pretty much been only at the lower levels so far. We already hit on Mitchell and Terang, the fact they haven't, in Mitchell's case, hasn't played an official professional game yet. Terang got to high class A, but still the lower levels. Same with Feliciano, high class A. Xavier Warren hasn't played a pro game yet. Jefferson Caro hasn't played a pro game yet. This is overwhelmingly a system of players in the lower levels. Given some of the Brewers' needs, and again, you hit on too, even the guys who are 11, 12 in this system are lower level guys. Given the Brewers' immediate needs in the majors and the fact that their best prospects are at least one year away, more likely two, and for some guys it's as many as four or five, the youngest kids uh, on the international side, how are they going to thread this needle and continue to be competitive in the major leagues? What do they need to do and what do they need to add? Yeah, that's uh, it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, really, I, I think the biggest – development <laughs> the biggest thing for them would, would be to get more development from some of those um you know hitters who who kind of struggled in in their lineup 
uh, last year, getting some uh, bounce back seasons from them, or, or in some cases, guys who haven't, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, <laughs> established themselves yet, uh, who really need more of a, a breakthrough type year. Cause you know, I, I think they have some players who have have some trade value if, if they wanted to go that route. And, and, and it's tough to say right now because, I mean, we saw, you know, we're, we're seeing <laughs> like, like, like we just saw with the, you know, with, with the Padres and, and the Cubs where, you know, look, I, I like Reggie Preciado quite a bit and, uh, you know, Ismael Mena and, and some of those guys are, are pretty interesting guys, but obviously – uh, finances are, are playing a big role <laughs> in uh, the trades this year. So, um, so, you know, maybe they could get a little bit more impact than I would normally expect if they wanted to trade uh, some of these guys. I certainly don't think there's anybody in, in the system who would be like an untouchable uh, off, off limits guy by any means. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, like you were saying earlier, they, they've had a lot of, you know, recent success getting, to the playoffs and, and right now they're right on that cusp of like, yeah, the, the, you know, I don't know if the window is, is uh, closing or, or if they can find a way to keep it open right now, but uh, they're sort of getting to that point where it's, it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, balance both the, the farm system and trying to remain, uh, trying to remain competitive. Yeah, it's always a tricky balance. You mentioned that this farm system is in the bottom third of farm systems in the majors. And again, for a lot of the right reasons, they successfully graduated Keston Hira. They successfully graduated Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. They traded some very highly touted prospects for Christian Yelich. Again, that's a trade they should have made and they would make again over and over and over again. So yes, the farm system is down, but again, it's because they got players out of it that have helped them make the playoffs three years in a row, which is the point of all this. So I'll be interested to see just how they kind of backfill some of it. Again, we've seen them start to with some of the recent draft picks, some of the recent international signs, but it's going to take some time and how they retool the major league roster while they wait for that farm system to start producing more big league ready guys and just get deeper by virtue of more drafts, more international signing periods. I think that's going to be a very interesting dynamic to watch here for the Brewers the next two or three years. Ben, just speaking purely about this farm system, what would you say right now are the strengths and the weaknesses and what do they need to add here as we start to add more draft picks and more international signing classes over the next one, two, three years? Yeah, I just think the weakness is just the lack of of upper level prospects right now. Um, you know, especially on the uh, hitting side uh, or or kind of starters who project to be more than you know back end starter up and down type guys. I mean, you know, I think like Dylan File, Alec Bettinger, like those guys could come up this year, and you know, maybe they continue to uh, you know beat people's expectations, but. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody is, is counting on them to be like mid rotation starter types or, or better than that. Um, and, and, you know, you, you look at the, the upper level guys, like, you know, you've got like Corey Ray and, and, you know, other guys where it's just like, uh, like <laughs> the clock is kind of ticking and time is running out and it's probably more change of scenery type guys that, uh, at the upper levels right now than anything else. But, you know, like the, I think the lower levels have, have a bunch of really interesting guys from, 
their, their recent drafts and, and international signing classes. I mean, obviously talked about uh, Hedbert Perez. I think he's one of the most exciting guys from that uh, 29, uh, 2019 international class from, you know, just the class as a whole. I mean, you know, Jason Dominguez, Eric Pena, Luis Rodriguez from the Dodgers, like uh, Maximo Acosta, a lot of, uh, I think he belongs, you know, right up there with, uh, with those guys. Uh, but then you also have this, you know, wave of, of guys, especially from Venezuela. The Brewers have been really aggressive in Venezuela. Uh, Jefferson Kiro, I think, took a, a big step forward uh, this year. And I'm really excited to see what he does in, in 2021 in, in the Arizona league. I think a guy who's got some, uh, you know, obviously we already jumped him into our top 10, but I think he has even more breakout potential once everybody kind of gets a chance to see him uh, in games. It's a, you know, chance to be a plus defensive catcher and uh, hit and, and hit for some power potentially too. So, um, you know, you have guys like that or, uh, you know, David Hamilton, who, uh, you know, eighth round pick out of Texas a couple of years ago, who, uh, you know, was injured, but had some really good things uh, that I heard about him this year coming out of uh, instructional league. So I think he has a chance to, to move up. So there, there's a lot of these guys who are in the, the lower levels uh, who I think have a chance to uh, elevate their stock. Now, a lot of them, you know, won't, <laughs> I think a lot of them will, uh, just end up obviously hitting a, a wall. It's just the natural rate of prospects uh, attrition. But uh, there, there are there is a pretty interesting group of guys that the the Brewers do have at the lower levels. But uh, you know the lack of guys at uh, the upper levels, especially in the bats, definitely uh, sticks out right now. We'll see if uh, the guys who are currently the guys who are interested in the lower levels can become the guys that become upper level bats you bank on ben thank you so much for joining us we appreciate your insight as always oh absolutely thanks for having me on kyle all right everyone that'll do it for another baseball america podcast go ahead and give us a review on itunes spotify stitcher whatever platform you're listening on we'd love to hear from you for ben badler i'm kyle glazer thanks for listening stay safe everybody 